Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. So now that we're full swing into 2019, looking back last year, how did you do? Was 2018 good for you? Did you find the projects you wanted? Did you earn the revenue you needed? Did you earn at least 20% profit so you could reinvest that money this year in 2019 and build on your firm's great success? Or you can use that money to live the, the integrated life of freedom that you want as an entrepreneur architect. Our target is 20%. So how did you do in 2018? Not sure? Don't you wish there was a simple calculator that could help you determine how you did last year? Well, I have great news. We developed that tool. We developed a brand new tool for the Entree Architect community. It's called the Entree Architect Profit Calculator, and it's completely free. Just follow six simple steps, and within minutes, you'll know exactly how much profit your firm earned in 2018. It's simple. Download the Entree Architect Profit Calculator right now for free at entrearchitect.com slash profit calculator. It's a gift from us to you. My name is Mark Arlapage, and you are listening to Entree Architect Podcast, where I speak with inspiring, passionate people who share their knowledge and expertise, all to help you build a better business as a small firm entrepreneur architect. This is episode 254, and this week, we're getting serious. I'm speaking with my friend, Mike Lavalley, and we're talking about burnout as a small firm architect. This episode of Entree Architect Podcast is supported by our platform sponsors. FreshBooks, the cloud-based accounting software that makes running your small firm easy, fast, and secure. Spend less time on accounting and more time doing the work that you love. And RCAT, 
the online resource delivering quality building material information, CAD details, BIM, specification, and so much more. Find what you need fast at rcat.com. Michael Lavalley, welcome back to Entree Architect Podcast. Hey, thanks, Mark. Great it's, to be here. It's great to have you here. Let me just remind people who you are because you've been here before. You were here back in March of 2017 talking about SketchUp. Um, yep. Mike LaValle has practiced within the profession for over 10 years, acquiring his initial license in New York State in uh, 2015. He's worked on a wide spectrum of projects um, that showcases interest in contemporary design, historic preservation, sustainability. Uh, he's also been a repeated guest critic at the University of Buffalo School of Architecture and Planning. Um, in 2015, Michael has run, since 2015, Michael's run an educational website called Evolving Architect. Many of you, I'm sure, are subscribed to his newsletter and learn a bunch of stuff over there at Evolving Architect. You should go check that out. And in 2017, he launched SketchUp Architecture. It's a seven-hour plus, seven-hour, more than seven-hour course over at Teachable. I think it's on Teachable, right, Mike? Yep. It's on Teachable. Yep. All about SketchUp. Uh, we did an entire episode on that. You can go back to episode six, uh, 161, 161, com slash episode 161. We talked all about SketchUp for small firms and how you can use SketchUp to uh, to practice. Uh, he's written for Architizer and Young Architect and the AIA National Young Architects Forum as a guest author and has uh, more recently co-founded a podcast with Timothy Ung called Unpacking Design. Timothy has been on the show, talked a little bit about Unpacking Design, but he was on here uh, at episode 218 to talk about how to start an architecture firm. We sort of talked about step-by-step following his book that he released, um, how to to start an architecture firm. That was episode 218. That was a really interesting conversation. And so Unpacking Design is a great podcast. I'm a subscriber. I listen to it often. Um, I love the way you sort of pick a topic, very often surprise one, with one another on what you're going to talk about <laughs> yeah. and have a conversation about design of all different types of design, architecture and graphic design and, and uh, environmental design, all kinds of different things. Very interesting podcast. So go check that out at Unpacking Design. And just recently, like literally as we're recording this, Michael's right. in the process of launching uh, a freelance website called Paper Rook. And it's a... It's a, it's a website where um, his company is going to design websites and other sort of uh, graphic design for creatives and business designers and architects. And so if yep. you're interested in that, and we're going to get into that a little bit later, um, but I think that's a, a big need for our community. I think we are small firm architects, so busy with all the other things that we're doing. Very often our website sort of you know, get pushed to the back seat and they don't get updated or they're, they're outdated or they're, they're just not what they should be. And so Mike's going to, uh, is in the process of launching Paper Rook to solve that problem for you. So, uh, but well, I want to talk about that at the end because I have a bigger topic that I want to talk about, Mike. Okay. Great. You were here at episode um, 161, yep. March of 2017. So almost two years ago. And uh, we talked all about SketchUp and, and, and Evolving Architect was launched and had a great conversation with you there. You had the launch of SketchUp, a big, big launch. You had a bunch of people sign up for that. Um, you were very active on social media. And then all of a sudden, I noticed you disappeared. 
You know, yeah. we hung out in Orlando. <laughs> I thought right. maybe it was something I said, but <laughs> but but uh, you know, we were we were at Orlando um, for the AIA conference. You you come you come and you came and hang, hung out at the at the meetup, um, and yep. then all of a sudden you sort of disappeared from the internet for a little while. Yep. And uh, and I wanted to talk about that because you you confided to me and sort of that there was a little bit of a burnout issue happening and. And I think sure. it's a topic that many small farm architects find themselves, much like we were talking about with the websites. We're doing so many different things. We have so many hats, so much responsibility. We have a very heavy burden on our shoulders as small firm architects. Um, and I think a lot of us do sort of get to the point where we recognize that it's burnout or we don't recognize it, that it's burnout, that we just don't know what's happening. I have experienced it. I continue to experience it. It's not something that, that um, it comes and goes for me. Uh, there's definitely some, some levels of depression for me. It comes and goes. Um, mm-hmm. And I just wanted to have that conversation with you, Mike, because I think there's a lot of people out there that are experiencing the same thing. I don't hear a lot of people talking about burnout. Um, sure. and, uh, and I'd love to sort of hear your story. Where, what happened to you? Where did you go after we last spoke? Um, and and what, what did you do to sort of come back? Because you certainly have come back strong because um, you're back on the internet. Right. You have a lot of new <laughs> things happening. Yeah. Um, and it's exciting to watch you you grow. So let's go back to that point in March of 2017. Right after that, uh, you sort of disappeared. So what what happened? Sure. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to talk about it. It's something that we uh, address a lot. Um, I'm pretty open about on Unpacking Design, too. Just like you said, I don't think a lot of people are talking about it. And even though the conversations are getting easier and a couple of people are opening up here and there, it's something that it's important to me to let people know, uh, especially friends and colleagues and peers, that this is a real thing and it happened to me. So I guess to sort of uh, paint the picture for you a little bit, um, I had been this is going back into 2013 and 2014. This is when I was studying for the ARE originally. And I, you know, I was, I was very, very deliberate about my studying. I would come back from work. I'd spend, you know, maybe an hour here, there with my wife. And then I would go straight to the library and study, you know, three or four or five days a week. Sometimes on the weekends, there's more hours than that. And you do that for a year or so. And you're like, oh, okay, well, that's, that's, that's great. I got my license, but I'm a little bit tired. And I think the mistake that I made was I went immediately into, and I had been planning on doing this for a while into evolving architect. So I launched evolving architect literally like a week after I found out I got my license Mm -hmm. because I wanted to be able to do it after I was in my own mind, legitimate and an actual licensed architect. Um, so I started that and that went for a solid, you know, year and a half or so until when you were just saying the launch of the SketchUp architecture course and, you know, some of the things that you mentioned where I wrote for Architizer and did other things, all that stuff was great, but it came with a cost of, well, I'm never really stopping. I'm never really settling down and just kind of appreciating the fact that I got my license and that I'm, you know, just in a, in a good place overall in my career. Um, I just kept pushing myself and kept moving. And um, I just noticed that I wasn't really taking care of myself too much uh, in terms of even just uh, in, in terms of uh, uh, health issues and things like that. Um, I noticed that I was probably the heaviest I had ever been in terms of weight. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a tall sort of lanky guy in my build. I'm six, four. Um, and I was, uh, probably 60, 70 pounds overweight 
and I just didn't feel very good. You know, I just didn't feel right. And I, I knew I was, I kept pushing myself and I got to this point where it wasn't so much motivation that I didn't have. It was just that I didn't have, um, sort of an overall positive energy about anything anymore. And it was, yeah, I probably did have a, a bit of depression and I, I was just sort of getting on myself about all the stuff that I was doing. And, you know, even though I was making a positive impact on people's lives and I feel like I was helping a lot of people understand more about architecture and SketchUp and I really was helping people. I wasn't helping myself. And I feel like that's the one lesson I learned that I need to actually do that more and, uh, you know, just appreciate things rather than try to, um, like some, something that comes to mind that I heard recently that makes a lot of sense to me is, you know, we have our whole lives to, to make some of these goals happen and they don't have to happen all within the breadth of like one year or six months or three months. They can happen over time. And I think that's kind of how I felt. I felt like I had to jam everything into this one portion of my life before everything else happened. And yeah, it just, it, <laughs> I really did disappear. I disappeared for a solid, probably like six months yeah. where I was just not, I, I, I literally just said, Hey, I, I can't, I can't do this anymore guys. I sent out, I remember I sent out one notice to my newsletter, like, Hey, I'm taking a break. I have no idea how long this is going to be. And, uh, you know, the first thing that I, I did was I just sort of took time to repair things that I had let go, you know, in terms of my weight, I, I dropped probably like 50 pounds over the course of six months to a year. Um, just took my health and my fitness seriously. And, you know, I started signing up for these, uh, five K's and things like that, just to have markers or goals to like, you know, I, I took almost that energy that I was using for my career and put it back into myself. And I felt like that was, probably one of the best decisions I've ever made because now, you know, about two years later, I feel probably the best I have ever. And I, you know, I feel like I'm on a much more positive trajectory in terms of the overall balance that I have. What was there, was there a, um, a specific turning point where you just said, you know, something happened or, or was it just, you know, just being sick and tired of being sick and tired and you just decided what, was there something that sort of flip the switch to change things? Um, it was, it was a very serious conversation I actually had with my wife where she was just like, you just got to like, look at yourself in the mirror. And like, she, she that, that was the, the thing that hurt the most in some ways was she could see what I was doing to myself, mm -hmm. you know, and I wasn't actively trying to hurt myself, but I was, I was passively doing it to myself over time by not taking care of myself and taking the initiative to make myself, uh, or even the people around me, I, I was avoiding, um, uh, maintaining relationships with other people, you know, friends that I had, um, you know, I hadn't seen in, you know, months, you know, or I hadn't talked to, uh, certain people that I probably should have, you know, and just had like natural conversations with over time. Um, so I got, I've been doing that a lot more. I've been trying to like actually have physical conversations with people go out. Um, you know, one of the best things that I did too was, um, I fostered the friendship that I had with Tim Ung, who you were talking about, who was on the, uh, uh, the podcast before, you know, we've become really great friends and I feel like he's been one of the people that has, you know, as architects, I think we all sort of understand what we go through. It's very hard to describe to other people who are not architects yeah. and um, as creatives and designers and, and people who want to make things in the world. 
we know that it takes a lot to actually make that happen. But, um, you know, for, in Tim's case, he's somebody that I can relate to on a very direct level and he gets it and we can have conversations about it. And, you know, having somebody like that in my corner too has been really great because, you know, as much as I would like to talk to, you know, even family members about certain things, there's certain things that you just don't understand unless you're in it and you're, you're kind of like bombarded with all this stuff all the time. Um, yeah. So I, I think it wasn't necessarily, it was that one conversation I had with my wife where I could pinpoint what was going wrong. And I, I think I, <laughs> I, you know, the, the SketchUp architecture course for context is like over seven and a half hours long. And it's, it's a beast of, it's, it's very good. I think it's probably the, one of the best things I've ever created in terms of content for, for, um, people in the evolving architect community. But it's, it's something that, you know, that's seven and a half hours of just pure recording, but that's not the stuff that I had to edit. That's not the stuff. Like I had to watch that again a couple of times in order to actually make it work and, and, and pull that all together on top of, you know, I have a normal nine to five job and balancing everything else. It just became too chaotic. So I would say it was just a recognizing that, you know, I had been pushing myself for essentially years and that I needed a, a full on break. And I, I realized that the one thing I couldn't do was just add more. I could, it wasn't like I could add more to, um, what I was already doing or add the fitness portion or the health maintenance into it as a, as sort of a, another thing to do. I had to take stuff out. And I think that's probably the, one of the hardest lessons to learn when you love doing what you do so much. Um, you just have to, like, I, it was weird. I, I, I disappeared for social media for like six months, but like it, if I hadn't done that, I, I worry to think of what I would have, you know, ended up as, you know, I, I, we might not be talking the same way that we're talking right now. I might be in a completely different place. It's yeah. not as positive. So, so if, if you, and there are people who are listening right now who are in that place, I know there yeah. are, um, yeah. and the entree architect community, the private Facebook group we have, I hear people support one another very often like that. And friendships have developed much like yours and Tim's. Um, that people sort of go offline and sort of uh, confide in one another. If there, if if there is somebody out there who's listening and they and they mm-hmm. recognize and maybe they didn't recognize it before they even spoke, you know, hear us speaking about it, um, and they recognize now that that they're in that place. You know, their sure. health is not good. Their mental health is not good. They're constantly stressed. They're overwhelmed. Um, they're they're maybe depressed, and I, I'm I'm afraid to use that word because I know there's different levels of depression. Sure. Uh, but let's let's just say it's it's you know it's sort of just a sort of a sadness or or sort of a discomfort with yourself. Um, yeah. And and they recognize that. You said you know finding Tim helped, and and having that conversation with your wife helped. Could you give some sort of practical guidance? And I know that you're not a doctor or a psychiatrist. Sure, sure. You're a guy who just has gone through it. Um, that what are maybe the first step on sort of recognizing it and doing something? You said you also said that you had to take away to, to, to start adding some more of the positivity. What would you say to that person who's listening? Yeah, it might sound a little bit corny, but something that I, uh, I remember listening to a podcast at this, and it was 
very timely for me, at least. Um, uh, if you watch or follow Gary Vaynerchuk, he has a lot of uh, famous people on his podcast and on his uh, Ask Gary V show. And one of the people he had on uh, that I remember distinctly was uh, Jewel, the singer. And one of the things that she said, because they were talking about work-life balance, and she said that she doesn't see it as uh, work-life balance, but more as like an overall harmony for her life. And using the word harmony means something more than if you if you imagine a scale where work is on one side and balance is on or life is on the other, you're always trying to just do one or the other. It's never really as nuanced as somebody's actual life is. So she started talking about how, you know, fitness might be one or your relationship with your spouse might be another and uh, your uh, your job might be another one or your interest in your hobbies might be another and your friendships might be another. And that it's almost more of like a harmony of a couple different things. And I think the thing that I needed to do initially was identify, okay, what, what are those buckets or those things that I can sort of see are completely out of whack, you know, and what are the things that are lacking and what are the things that I have enough of and I can just let go for a second. You know, like I knew that my nine to five job was fine. I knew that I was not, you know, overworking myself there. So I knew that that was something I could just maintain and, and be okay with. Um, I knew that my fitness was at probably an all time low. So that was something I needed to focus on. And I knew that because I had pushed so much into say evolving architect and social media and things that it was actually on such a positive uptick that I could let it go for a while because it would be fine in the end and that I could come back to it and it would be okay. Um, I think the first thing you need to really do is sort of step back and really take an honest look at sort of all those different pieces in your life. And they're going to be different. You know, the things I mentioned might not be the same things that you have um, going on in your own life. And, and then, you know, the, the first practical step I can say is actually go. And if you're not doing it already, um, exercise has been huge for me. You know, I, I don't, I go, I'm a, it's weird to say, but I am probably more of a gym rat than I've ever been. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I kind of have this, uh, sort of unsaid rule to myself where, um, you know, I don't miss the gym more than, you know, two days in a row. So I go, I try to go every other day. It doesn't have to be the craziest workout ever, but it's something that I noticed even helps me in my normal day job where, you know, it relieves stress. And I think it kind of centers me a little bit more. And I think even though that might not be the thing for you, um, out there, if you're, if you're dealing with this, it, finding what that thing is that sort of de-stresses you on a very short-term level helps you make better long-term choices because then you're maintaining that over a longer period of time. Um, again, for somebody else, it could just be finding another hobby or, um, you know, taking one of those buckets that you're kind of, you know, running out of uh, energy with and trying to fill it back up. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'd uh, I'd love to also open this conversation up to the rest of the community. And so when when this podcast comes out and goes live, um, I will post on the community. So head over there, entrearchitect.com slash group. And, um, you know, if you need somebody to talk to who just wants to vent or, or want to just share what you've been through, um, it's a private closed group. And so uh, there's a lot of, you know, sort of confidential uh, conversations happening over there, and I think that uh, this would be a really interesting one one to uh, to have there. Um, sure. So, Mike, thanks for thanks for sharing that. Let's take a quick break to say thank you to our platform sponsors here 
at Entree Architect, FreshBooks, and Arcat. Do you remember when you started your small firm? It was no small feat. It took a lot of late nights, a lot of early mornings, and the occasional all-nighter. Bottom line, you've been insanely busy ever since. We wear so many hats as small firms, so why not make things a little bit easier? Well, our friends at FreshBooks have the solution. FreshBooks invoicing and accounting software is designed specifically for small business owners like us. It's simple, intuitive, and keeps you way more organized than a dusty shoebox filled with crumpled receipts. Create and send professional looking invoices in 30 seconds and then get them paid two times faster with automated online payments. I love that feature. File expenses even quicker and keep them perfectly organized for tax time. And the best part, FreshBooks grows alongside your business. So you'll always have the tools you need when you need them without ever having to learn the ins and outs of accounting. Join the 24 million people who've used FreshBooks. Try it for free for 30 days, free for 30 days. No catch, no credit card required. Visit entrearchitect.com slash FreshBooks. Hey, and don't forget to enter Entree Architect in the How Did You Hear About Us section. It's what so many of us small firm architects dread, editing down a manufacturer specification. It's what so many of us small firm architects dread, editing down that manufacturer's specifications. We don't have time for that. You're staring down a 54-page specification, and you only want one product and all its attributes. There is a better way. And it's not throwing the entire specification into your project documents. It's RCAT. It's RCAT's Spec Wizard. Spec Wizard is a unique tool that allows you to specify a product in minutes, not hours, minutes by turning a specification into a simple-to-use website. Just select the products and options you want to specify and generate a three-part CSI specification in multiple formats. You can use whatever format you need. Best of all, like everything at RCAT, it's free and it requires no registration. Visit entrearchitect.com slash RCAT. That's A-R-C-A-T, entrearchitect.com slash RCAT. Pop that right in that URL, pop that into your favorites so you get it, you know, an easy link whenever you need it. And then try the better way of specifying products. Spec Wizard by RCAT.com. FreshBooks and RCAT. Please visit our platform sponsors today and thank them for supporting you, the Entree Architects community. I, I wanted to sort of, because you've, you've, you're now sort of, through that. And I'm sure that every day is still a challenge. You know, I, I, it doesn't really go away. It's just sort of you maintain it differently. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about that a little bit because now it's been over a year um, mm-hmm. and, you know, you're in a better place. You're, you're about to launch Paper Rook. Um, mm-hmm. Let's talk about Paper Rook and what it took to get to that point, both mentally and physically and, and sort of strategically. Uh, sure. What is Paper Rook? And then sort of what was the evolution from where you were at the depth to it, to where you are now, where you sort of are coming back. Sure. Yeah. So uh, I guess the first thing I, I did was I, I kind of told myself that I wanted to, you know, I, I never wanted, I knew I never wanted to stop being creative. I knew I never wanted to just stop being, um, whether it was part of Evolving Architect or something else. I knew I wanted to keep doing stuff. I think I just took the, uh, almost like a pit stop in in my life as a as a way to sort of recharge and that's kind of the way I've thought about it. It's like your life is sort of a highway and you're you're going on a journey, right? Um, 
in terms of the uh, sort of evolution of Paperwork itself, I've been designing websites on and off uh, for the last five or six years. Um, I've designed things for myself just because I had to for Evolving Architect um, or the Unpacking Design um, website for the podcast. And they've just kind of come up over time where, you know, I remember being commissioned to do the local AIA Buffalo Western New York chapters uh, website and doing their design awards website as a second sort of sibling website. And actually the first website I ever did was for my old job um, that I had uh, a couple of years ago at, at the first place I worked out at, out of school. And they had a, they had a website that was, um, I don't even remember what what platform it was on, but what I've been working on since is I've been putting all these sites on Squarespace and I've been doing that for a very deliberate reason. One is I could probably make it on several other platforms. I could put it on WordPress. I could do it on whatever. Um, I've just been interested in making websites anyway. But the thing that I love about a platform like Squarespace, if anybody just wants to do this themselves, is that there's it's so easy to maintain afterwards that handing it off to somebody is probably one of the best things as, as part of the process, because I know that if I hand it to them, that somebody will be able to just, you know, maybe look at one or two help files, but they'll be able to figure it out on their own. Whereas it might, you know, look like a different language. If I, if I showed them like the back end HTML, you know, and they had to edit it by, you know, in, inputting different lines of code, it'd probably drive the average person crazy. <laughs> so right, right. even WordPress, which is, you know, it's yep. sort of a step above, you know, just a, a custom HTML, but still confusing when you look <laughs> at the back end. Yeah. So I, so Paperrook is really this, um, it's a freelance website uh, service um, where I will basically help creatives and uh, other small business uh, designers and architects and everybody who is very, very deliberate about the kinds of creations that they make and the designs that they create. But they don't necessarily either have the time or the bandwidth to do some of this stuff. And since I already have an interest in it and I've sort of had a lot of experience um, putting these things together, it, it seemed like a natural fit for me to as a, a as a creative outlet to um, to pursue this. And the, the sort of um, catalyst for it was earlier this past year, uh, maybe about four or five months ago. Uh, a friend reached out to me, and he has his own uh, small firm uh, in locally in Buffalo, New York, uh, called Abstract Architecture. And he basically asked me to uh, redesign his website because he's at a point where he's just at that cusp of, you know, he's had his he started his business uh, on his own maybe two three years ago, and he just he's really kind of hitting his stride now, and he's in a place where he needs to start branching out, reaching out to more clients, potential clients, and have something that um, sort of stands out there as a, as a place for him to market himself, you know, and he has a social media feed and he, you know, he does all the, all the things that you're supposed to do, I guess today, but he needed a hub that was a little bit more uh, concise and sort of really talked about his personal story so that people could relate more to the work that he does. You know, he does really great residential work and small commercial, um, uh, small commercial work. And it, he's, he's the kind of guy who has taken a lot of care in hiring photographers to go photograph his work. And he just needed a, a flashy, um, creative 
um, hub for people to come and see all that stuff and kind of be interested in what he does. So, um, yeah, shout out to abstract Arch- architecture. Cause it's, uh, <laughs> it's, a, I, I really like how the website turned out. It's one of the first projects that I worked on. Um, and it's sort of the impetus for paper to exist at all. So is it, it abstract architecture.com? What's the, URL? Uh, so the URL is abstract arch.com. Okay. Uh, Cause I'm sure everybody's uh, like, yeah. ah, I gotta go check. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's uh, you know, it's not, it's a Squarespace website, but it's the thing I like to make sure is that as, as I develop these sites on Squarespace, one of the questions I get a lot is, well, is it just going to look like another template? And I try to do my best to add enough nuance so that it really does feel personal to that brand or that idea. Um, and I, you know, I hope people, like it, but <laughs> it's it's one of the first formal websites I've done as part of this new initiative. So, yeah. are you are you um, helping with developing the brand as well, or is it just sort of taking what they already have and you're just putting together the technical website? Uh, so I've actually done both. Um, in this past instance, he already had done a really great job of branding and creating logos and things like that. So I was really taking the palette that he had and then playing with the paint, so to speak, and 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 reorganizing things in a way that makes sense for the average user so that when they visit the site that it it's a lot more uh, streamlined. And that's really the approach I take. But if you know if it came down to somebody needed help, um, that would definitely be something that we could we could do because I, I'm I this isn't really part of the base package of anything that I do but I am very interested in graphic and logo design and um, maybe even be able to tell from the origami logo that I have for Paper Rook that it's it's something that I'm I've just always been interested in anyway and um, it's definitely something that uh, I, <laughs> I, I like to do. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're very good at it because the uh, you know the evolving architect site was really good. Um, mm-hmm. I love the unpacking design logo. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and, the, and the site is really good. I love the colors. I love the way it looks. Um, it's just it it's very well done. I mean, it, it's Thanks. it's it's <laughs> you know don't take anything personal, people. <laughs> Most architects design their own logos, and they're not so good. And so I, I always recommend that people, you know, hire a professional to, to design their logos. And, and this is, you know, Paper Rook is not a logo design company, um, but, you know, Michael does a great job. So if you're, uh, if you're interested, <laughs> I'm sure he's yeah. not going to turn you down. Um, so re- really interesting. And so it's paperrook.com, right, is, is yep. the site? Yep. Um, so it's one, so it's all one word, one R. It's kind of one of those. It, it's funny because uh, originally Paper Rook started out as a, this is when I, this is like six or seven years ago, Mark, but this is when I had my first uh, website ever on the internet and I wanted to uh, write movie reviews. So I ended up making this, um, like the logo has changed since then, but um, really where Paper Rook came from was I really got into uh, uh, creating origami and creating uh, things with paper and things that uh, fold. And I was really interested in the fold for a long time. Uh, But where this name kind of got generated from is I was looking for, this was also when we had the boom of like these words that are sort of gibberish that don't necessarily mean anything, but they're kind of like uh, amalgamations of like different things that kind of come together. Um, And I was looking for something that was kind of cool, catchy and creative. And I was thinking of like a, well, what do I want this to look like? And I started thinking about, you know, something that would be clever. And I took that literally and I thought of um, animals in the animal kingdom that are sort of 
what like what are you the kinds of things that you think of when you think of like an intelligent animal and i i literally googled it like you could still google it today what the, the most intelligent animals and one of them that came up was uh chrome and i didn't know this at, at all but something that's just really random but interesting is that um the rook or the sort of european version of a crow is one of the most intelligent animals in the entire world it like they have uh, certain like problem solving skills that rival chimpanzees. It's crazy. There's like videos on it yeah. and they can, they can um, learn, they can learn, right. They use tools yep, and yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, so I, I thought that that was a, you know, maybe in the moment, a little bit of an ego sort of way of coming up with a logo, but I wanted it to emanate something that was, you know, a clever creative design, um, that sort of meant something to me that, uh, you know, I always believe in design can, and should always be imaginative and clever and something that isn't necessarily just there for itself, but something that is um, there to build upon either what's come before or something that creates something new but is meaningful to people. So it's a very long-winded <laughs> story of how paperwork came together, but that's that's kind of how it all. Yeah, I, I find it very interesting. I, the name is interesting. I think it's a great it's a great brand. Um, I'm looking forward to watching it grow. Uh, um, I, before we go, I want I wanted to ask you this this last question that I ask everyone. Sure. Uh, what is one thing that a small firm architect can do today to build a better business for tomorrow? Uh, um, you know, one of the things that I actually uh, I was listening to another podcast. Uh, I don't know if you listen to the uh, School of Greatness podcast uh, with uh, Lewis with Lewis House. House. Yep. yep. Um, he recently had uh, Blake Mykoski on there. Yep. He was the CEO, or I don't know if he's still the CEO still of is, uh, yeah. t- uh, Tom Shoes. Yep. Um, and one of the things that he said that I think I'm going to take in is maybe one of the things, not necessarily like a New Year's resolution, um, but something that I've been thinking about a lot that makes too much sense not to like to ignore. Um, and he said that he's been recently, um, basically if he, if he feels like he should do something, um, then he, he probably shouldn't do it. Um, and it's not necessarily that it's, he shouldn't do things that are his responsibilities, but like, if you think about it, um, and this maybe relates to the overall theme of what we're talking about today is if you feel like you're obligated to do something, but you don't really need to do it. That probably should be an internal cue that it's just something that you're doing. Um, but it's not something that you're really passionate about and not something that you should be focusing on right. because it's not, it's either not something that you're interested in, or it's not something that you have a skill set with, and maybe you should just, you know, give that to somebody else. So I think my mantra for at least the foreseeable future is if I don't feel like I should be doing something, or if I or if it, if I have to say that I should be doing something that I might have to check that a little bit with myself before I actually commit to it. Right. It sa- it sounds to me from what you're describing it sounds like purpose. Yep. That that if it's if it's not something that's aligned with your purpose and we and we're all looking for our purpose and some of us are closer to finding that piece than others. Um but that I think that feeling that you're talking about and maybe you're not sure whether you should or you shouldn't um when it's part of your purpose, you know, right. It's just part right. of you, you know, that yep. that's something. And sometimes it's, there's a lot of fear involved in following that purpose. Sometimes there's, there's a, many obstacles, but you just know that that's where you should go. Yep. So that's where you should go. Um, so that's very good. I, I love that. It's a great way to sort of wrap up the, the conversation that we had earlier 
uh, about your disappearance on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, yeah, really interesting. Um, evolving architect is at evolvingarchitect.com. Unpacking the d- design, your website, or not your website, your podcast with Tim Ung is unpackingdesign.com. Uh, and the new site for the websites is paperrook, all one word, one R, paperrook.com. Um, which is a great URL too. It's hard to find those good URLs. So. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was, the, honestly, that was one of the other motivations for making a weird word that doesn't exist is that <laughs> it doesn't exist. So you could, you probably catch whatever you need to. So, yeah. so go, go check that out and let's have that conversation over at the Facebook group, entrearchitect.com slash group. We'll, we'll get you over there. Um, you can f- follow Mike on social media pretty much everywhere as Arca Valley, A-R-C-H-I-V-A-L-L-E-Y. Arca Valley, uh, Mike. This is a this was a, a this was a great conversation, but I think this is a very important conversation. Yeah, uh, I think this is a conversation that we need to have more of in this profession. Um, I think, especially architecture students, push themselves very hard, and and that's where your story started. So I want to make sure that the the students who are listening, the young architects who are out there, and I know a lot of older architects, more seasoned architects like me, are still experiencing it. I still experience it. Um, but but recognize you young architects that there that this is a this is a long journey. You want to take your time, have patience, just follow the path and keep moving forward, um, and don't push yourself too hard. I actually have um, I've never talked about this in the past on the on the show, uh, and maybe I'll get into it a little bit deeper someday. But I lost a friend in architecture school uh, because he was pushing himself too hard. He died. Um, and, uh, and we'll get into that another day someday, but, um, um, I don't want to end the show that way, but, (laughs) but, but it's important that you recognize that, um, this profession is a tough one. It will eat you up if you let it. And so just be aware of that, recognize that, uh, and, and, and practice architecture safely. (laughs) And maybe, maybe something else to, uh, end this on that I, I was just thinking about, um, and saw the other day was, you know, talking more about just you don't have to do everything all at once. Uh, there's people that start businesses and start doing things later in life. I, I just saw that like Colonel Sanders didn't start. This is such a weird reference, but Colonel Sanders didn't start until 66 or 65 right. KFC. Yeah. You know, I mean, this, this stuff doesn't have to happen when just society tells you it has to happen. Like if you're if you're working on certain things in your life, you, that's fine if you're focusing on one thing, but you don't have to do everything all at once. Yeah. Yeah. Take care of yourself is really the bottom line. This is, this is a a tight community. We are a family here at small firm architect of small, small firm architects. And so just take care of yourself uh, and take care of one another. And so when I say love, learn, share, the love part is taking care of one another. And so uh, it's an important thing to do. And so look around. If you think there's somebody out there that needs you to, uh, to ask them how they're doing, ask them how they're doing. So, Mike, thanks for uh, for hanging out with me. Thanks for being so honest and transparent with your story. I appreciate it. Um, and thanks for uh, for being here with me today at Entree Architect Podcast. Sure, no problem. Appreciate it. And uh, it's it's odd that um, I never really thought I'd be telling this kind of story, but I'm glad that I can because I feel like if anybody walks away just being able to recognize that this kind of stuff is happening to them and they can fix it, then I'm glad that I was able to tell them that. So, Yeah, well, thanks for being here. Great. Thanks. So in this episode, we get a little bit more serious talking about burnout. And I want you to go go uh, check out Mike Lavalley at paperrook.com. Go check out his new business. 
and uh, and tell him that we said hi. You know, go support him and thank him for being so honest and transparent about what he's been through. And I want you to also know that you are supported. This Entree Architect community is a family. So if you're going through something and you need a little bit of support, a little bit of encouragement, uh, you need some help, you need, just maybe need somebody to talk to, reach out. You can reach out to me. You can reach out to Mike. You can join us in the Entree Architect community, the, the, um, the Facebook group. It's all architects. It is a supportive, encouraging place. But reach out. Find somebody that you can talk to. And, and let's get, get you through this. So the episode number for this is 254. So if you want to share this episode, maybe we have, you have somebody that you know whom this episode might help reach out and send them this episode. It's entrearchitect.com slash episode 254. That's the link to share. And you know what? I have a, an announcement here. This is uh, something that we've been developing here at Entree Architect for a long time. You heard me in the beginning talk about the Entree Architect profit calculator. That's free. Uh, but that's the part of a, of a full trimester system that we've developed for Entree Architect this year. We're breaking up the year into three parts. The first part's going to be focused on profit and financial management. The second trimester is going to be focused on promotion, which is marketing and sales. And the third trimester, at the end of the year, we're going to focus on productivity and planning. Those are the three buckets that in the, in the last five, six years that we've been doing this at Entree Architect, those are the things that we struggle with, right? Those are the things that we struggle with. We have the design down, we know how to do architecture, we know all of that, right? We know how to put our drawings together, but when it comes to profit, promotion, and productivity, profit is, is having making sure you have enough money, making sure that you have the profit that you need to go out and get that work, which is the second part, promotion. Go out and get that work and convert that into sales, get the project that you really, really want, that's the second, and then productivity. How are we gonna get all this work done? How are we gonna plan for 2020, which is part of the productivity trimester? So there you go, it's going to be profit, promotion, productivity. So we are in the profit trimester right now. So go download the calculator, entrearchitect.com slash profit calculator. Get that calculator, figure out how you did in 2018, then join us at the webinar, entrearchitect.com slash free webinar, and we'll show you how you can put together a financial management system that works. So go take that first step, download the calculator at entrearchitect.com slash free calculator, and we'll see you at the webinar. My name is Mark Arlapage, and I am an entrepreneur architect, and I encourage you every week to build a better business so you can be a better architect. Love, learn, share. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, we'll buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey 
from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast, it's a community where dreams meet action. There is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was, it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is gonna be a priority. When the job is done, we're gonna actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. <laughs> so for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like, that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.